So, we're moving on to spiritual gifts. Now, what are some spiritual gifts that you can think of off the top of your head? Um, what? Faithfulness. Okay, faithfulness. So that would be a fruit of the Spirit, for sure. What else? Spiritual gifts speaking. Administration. Administration. Okay, the Spirit can give us the supernatural ability to administrate in eternal matters. Teaching. 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 Yeah, teaching. That is a gift that we can certainly have from the Spirit. Love. What? Love. Love, yes. That is definitely something that we're all supposed to have in the Spirit, given to us by the Spirit. Love. What else comes to your mind? Whether it's something that you have or a friend has or something that perhaps you don't know anybody who has. <laughs> help. Help, yeah, helps. Help or helps, service, that type of thing. Yep. Depends on what translation you're using. <laughs> Hospitality. Hospitality, yep. That's a, fruit, that's a gift of the Spirit. One that sometimes is overlooked. Healing. Healing, yep. In the Bible, that certainly sp spoken of as being a spiritual gift. Prophecy, yeah, right, yeah. And we can, you know, if it's not something that you know what it is, I mean, you're in luck. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> Maybe not this week, but in weeks to come, we'll talk. We'll talk about them and what we're supposed to do with some of these miraculous gifts, like, you know, tongues and. <laughs> Look, look. I don't, I don't remember that verse. <laughs> I guess it, maybe it's, maybe it's in a translation somewhere. <laughs> the gift of luck. <laughs> I don't think that's one. All right, but you know, sometimes we can be eager to learn about what the gifts are and what has God enabled me to do and how can I um, administrate this gift of grace. I mean, that's how the Bible refers to them as well: gifts of grace all under um, the category of the gift of grace from God through the Spirit. Um, and, you know, Paul dealt with the Corinthian church. They were all super eager to have these spiritual gifts that were very um, loud. <laughs> Everybody could see them um, and tell, man, that person is really being used by God. And Paul kind of takes opportunity to say, simmer down a little bit. Um, remember what we're here for. Uh, we're not here for you to be seen. We're not here for you to just have a good time using your gifts. We're here for a reason. Um, and that's why I want to introduce this before we get all gung-ho about talking about the spiritual gifts, how to use my spiritual gifts, which one do I have, you know, and those types of things. Um, we're going to step back for a second um, and look at what it's, what all the, the beginnings of this, the roots of these gifts of the Holy Spirit. Turning your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. And while you're turning there, well, after you turn there, I'll, I'll pray, seek the Lord's wisdom here. The Bible says, if anyone act, lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. He'll give you wisdom. One of the great and precious promises given to us in the Scriptures. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have wisdom as we seek out your will and according to the, the Spirit. Um... Help us to understand what to do with these spiritual gifts, what we're supposed to know about them. Um, help us to use whatever one we have been given by the Spirit. Let us not be ignorant of these things. 
Um, but let us be fully equipped so that we can go out and do what you have called us to do according to the scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if somebody could read Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, what in the world does this passage have to do with spiritual gifts? (laughs) Kind of a strange passage. It doesn't even talk about spiritual gifts. Talk about the giver. Talk about the giver. Okay, we talk about the giver. At the very beginning of this passage, Jesus commands them to do something. What does he command them to do? Well, at the beginning of the passage. That's that's at the end of the passage. Um, At the beginning of the passage. Rich, what did you say? Commanded them not to depart from the Yeah. He told them to wait. Don't depart. Don't go anywhere. Just wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. Father. Now, on your sheet here, that's the first question. What is the promise of the Father? Okay. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Father was, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Until I give him to you, you're supposed to stick in Jerusalem. Don't do anything. Don't go anywhere. The promise of the Father was, well, the, you can the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Father was going to send the Holy Spirit to them. Now, why do you think Jesus wanted them to wait to not do anything until they got the Holy Spirit? Yeah, yeah, you both said the same thing basically. They'd be going in their own flesh. They'd be going in their own power. Instead of the power of God, now we can, you know, flip a, flip a chapter in our brains real quick and remember Peter's magnificent sermon, which he preached, and you know, thousands of people um, were saved um, because of his very pointed rebuke to them and his appeal for the gospel. Um, he would have not have been able to preach that message had the Holy Spirit not been upon him. <laughs> So it was in the interest of everybody, especially those 3,000 people who got saved, that they don't try to go and do anything unless the Holy Spirit was upon them. Because they could have gone out and tried to done something. you know. Maybe he would have tried to fumble through some of his, his memories of Christ and when he was around and maybe try to reiterate something Jesus said to the best of his ability and he could have failed miserably at it. <laughs> But one of the promises that Jesus said the Holy Spirit would help them with is that he would bring bring to remembrance everything that the Lord Jesus had said. Um, And not just what Jesus had said, but he would bring the word up into their minds. And when you read Peter's sermon, you see him going all throughout the scriptures, bringing out proofs of the Messiah and appealing to them that they crucified the Messiah convincingly. 
to the point that thousands of them repented. Could he have done that without the Spirit? I would say no. (laughs) And then we move on in this passage here, and we see um, verse 6, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So number two on our sheet, what were the disciples expecting? Yeah, <laughs> he was expecting Jesus. They were expecting Jesus to come and free the nation of Israel, whip up on the Romans. <laughs> he was. He, they were expecting him to, you know, maybe they didn't completely understand what in the world he was gonna do in establishing the new kingdom. And quite honestly, they had no clue whatsoever, um, because of the very nature of their question. Now, th- what the disciples were expecting was that Jesus would come and um, establish his kingdom. That's what that's. If you're going to write something down, that's kind of it in a nutshell. They were expecting Jesus to establish His kingdom. And there's a little a under number two. Were their expectations completely unfounded? Now, this isn't in the passage here, but what do you think? (laughs) That was was the whole thing. You know, he's preaching the kingdom of God. Right. Right. No, so their expectations were not completely unfounded. So the answer to that is no, they were not unfounded. In fact, um, Jesus told the disciples previously that um, when the Son of Man would return, it would be obvious. They would be able to tell that it was him. Nobody was going to have to point him out uh, when, the, when the Messiah returned after, after leaving. <laughs> um, and what more obvious way of returning than... Dying and raising from the dead. <laughs> I mean, that, that was pretty obvious that he had gone and then returned. <laughs> um, he also said that the twelve disciples, the, well, the disciples would um, rule over the twelve tribes of Israel in the coming kingdom, and they were thinking, well, that means he's going to come back in our lifetime and make us rulers over the twelve nations of Israel. Um, they couldn't. They probably weren't when Jesus was teaching them that. They probably couldn't understand a kingdom that occurred after they had died, all of them. Um, it was bad enough that Jesus, the Messiah, had died. Um, it was going to leave and not come back for a significant period of time, but Jesus promised them that they would rule over the 12 nations of Israel, and how were they supposed to do that if they were dead? Um, so they were assuming that it was going to be actually pretty soon, pretty pretty straightforward. <laughs> um, so no, their, their expectations were not completely unfounded, because of a lot of the things that Jesus said about the kingdom um, that he would establish. Um, it was already bad enough that he hadn't established it, that he was killed. Every, that's one of the reasons a lot of people um, scorned the disciples, because their Messiah had died. And he wasn't with them anymore. He, only appeared, he, I mean, he appeared to a significant amount of people, enough to make a testimony pretty valid, but to a scorner who didn't want to believe the truth, well, where's your Messiah? I don't see him anywhere after he had ascended. Where'd he go? You're telling me about this Jesus. I know that he was crucified. It was in the newspaper. Where is he? Show him to me and I'll follow him. <laughs> um, so things were a little turned on their head <laughs> with this whole situation about the kingdom of Christ and establishing a new kingdom and renewing the kingdom, making all things new. So they were a little confused, and rightly so. 
Now, how, number three, how did Jesus address their question? Did he answer it in particular? Did he say yes or no? <laughs> don't worry about it. Yeah, he basically said, don't worry about it. That's, that's verse 7. He said to them, it is, he said to them it, is not, it is not for you to know the times of the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So he doesn't necessarily say, yes, I'm going to do it now, or no, that I'm not going to do it now. He's saying, you know what, this is out of your pay grade. You know, for you to know the seasons and the times that the Father has fixed for his own, by his own authority, he is telling them, this is way above you <laughs> um, to know about these, this, these things. You don't need to know when and where and all these other, all these things. This is, this is top-tier management stuff. You, but he does tell them. So how does Jesus address their question? He, you know, you can write down something to the effect... Um, he says, it's not for you to know. You don't need to know this. This is above you. Something to that effect. Kind of like a water boy asking the coach, mm-hmm. what's your plan? Right, right. What right do you have to ask me what my plan is? <laughs> you have nothing to do with coaching. Exactly. That's how President Trump must feel right now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like you probably understand that being in the military, you know, there are some things that you just know that you don't dabble with because it's not your job. It's not your position. <laughs> uh, that's the general's position or whatever it is position. Um, and that's what Jesus is essentially saying. This is not your position to know these things. You just do. And then he goes on to say, but you do have a position. You do have a job. Um, verse 8, but you will receive power. So this is number 4 we're talking about. What did he replace their expectations with? He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what does he set their mind on? So one thing is not their responsibility, but then what? Yeah, but here is your responsibility. What you asked is above your pay grade, but here, let me tell you what your pay grade is. <laughs> yeah, this is, what, this is what you need to concern yourself with. Don't concern yourself with when I'm going to come and recreate, you know, every, renew the, all these types of things, establish my eternal kingdom and that type of stuff. You don't need to know that, even though it's understandable why you're so curious about it. Um. But here's what you need to focus on. I'm, when you get the Holy Spirit, you're going to have a job to do, and it's going to take your life. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. What does it mean to be a witness? Talking about judiciary system. Okay, go and tell. Now to be a witness, you think about a court with a judge and juries, a defendant, and uh, what's the other side? <laughs> the accuser. <laughs> you're supposed to tell the truth and the whole truth about what you're... Yeah. And the witness tells what? If, you call, if you're a witness and you get called to the stand. What you've seen and what you've heard. Yeah, you, call, you, you testify to what you've seen and what you've heard. And doesn't that sound familiar? I mean, that's what, that's what uh, John says. I have come to testify of what I've seen and heard. That's what I'm doing. That's my job. That's what I'm supposed to be concerning my whole life with. And John did concern his whole life with that. Not turning from the right or to the left. He went and bore witness of what he knew about Jesus and what had been revealed to him. 
That was his job. So he stopped. So the disciples were told, stop worrying about what's going to happen because that's the Father's business. You don't need to know when I'm going to come and establish my kingdom. What you need to know is what you're going to do right now and in the future. What's your job? What's your pay grade? Stop worrying about what God's pay grade is. What's your pay grade? Um, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will be my witnesses throughout the whole earth. So that was number four. What did he replace their expectations with? Well, their job. Number five, how should we, therefore, understand our place in the kingdom? So now let's make this personal. How are we supposed to understand our place in God's kingdom? I think that's, uh, I've heard pastors say that this verse 8 is a job description for Christians. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it outlines what, and there's a lot of argument as to whether, um, and some schools believe that uh, this is directed only to the apostles. Mm-hmm. But others believe that it's directed to everyone. Right. And I'm one of the ones that believes it's directed to everyone. Yeah. Because apostles were here to train yeah. train us, to train the Christians of that time, and right. do what, what they essentially did. Right. So, uh, to me, it, uh, this is our, our responsibility. Yeah. To follow this. And I would agree with you. That I mean, and we've talked a lot about the Holy Spirit throughout this, these, you know, these past several weeks, and we've established that the Holy Spirit has been, was given to the disciples, but then it is continuing, He is continuing to remain amongst God's people. He is given to the believers. Paul told the Corinthians that they each had a spiritual gift from the Holy Spirit Himself. Um, you saw the Gentiles when they were first starting to become grafted into the to the Jewish nation, basically. Their spe- this, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they're speaking in tongues. And, and this, they, were not dis- they weren't the disciples. They weren't the apostles. No, the Holy Spirit is being given to us. And I, believe, and I believe, along with Marty here, that what he says here, you will, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Our job as God's people has not changed. We are to go and bear witness of what we see and know of Christ. What we have received. What have you received? Okay, now go and tell other people about it and how they might receive it. What? To the end of the earth. To the end of the earth. Wherever it is the Holy Spirit picks you up and plops you down in, go and bear witness of the Messiah. So how should we therefore understand our place in God's kingdom? Well, we're not supposed to concern ourselves with with what God is going to do. We just need to be concerned about what we're told to do. That's not to say we shouldn't read the book of Revelation. That's not to say that we shouldn't look into the prophecies and things like that. That's, but what we shouldn't be approaching God with this a priority being, when are you going to do all this stuff? When are you going to make your kingdom? When are you going to, when are you, when are, you know? No, we need to be gung-ho, zealous for good works, going out in the name of Jesus, pointing people to the cross, how should we, therefore, number six, understand the purpose of spiritual gifts? Based off of what we've been talking about, how should we understand the purpose of the Holy Spirit coming to us, empowering us? What's the purpose of it all? To put it to use. To put it to use for what? For God's glory. For God's glory, pointing people to, to Jesus. 
Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. Not just some general person out there doing good stuff for people. No, we're supposed to be Christ's witnesses. Bearing witness of Christ. We are on the stand. We are telling the, you know, the, the hearers what we have seen and what we have heard. Here's the truth that I have seen in Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit has empowered us to do. And it's no wonder that we don't see a whole lot of the Holy Spirit today because that's not the priority of the church at large, at least in America. The priorities of the churches at large are to grow and be, a, you know, be good businesses and you know, multiply people and just you know, do good stuff and be good people and, you know... How to live successfully in the world and have your best life where God gives you everything that you want and He establishes all your hopes and dreams. Wayne? Well, what you're saying is you, you're, you're expressing your faith in, in mm-hmm. that, that pretty well sums it up. Yeah. What you're, you're expressing your faith. And you know, when you talk about terms of like glorifying Christ... What that means, in a nutshell, is you're magnifying Christ. And what that means, in a nutshell, is you're doing whatever it takes for people to see Christ. (laughs) To see Him. That's what it means to glorify someone and to to magnify someone, is to, to point out their greatness and their worthiness. That's what that means. So if we're going out to glorify Christ... We're going out to magnify Christ. We're going out to point people to Him so that they can see Him, so that they can see His magnificence and His worthiness. So when we're trying to understand the purpose of the spiritual gifts, the Spirit empowers us to be witnesses for Christ. I mean, that is like the the, the big overwhelming um, aspect of the spiritual gifts that encompasses everything, all of the spiritual gifts. There's not a single spiritual gift that God does not intend to be for the glory of Christ. You know, the tougher question here, and the real tough question here, yeah. is why don't people do it? Yeah. I mean, you know, we could sit and talk about that for probably two years. Right. You know, as to why. But you can sum it up in a, in a few, few sentences, really, when you, you can bunch it all together. A lot of times, what I say is that people don't don't feel like they're worthy enough of doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they hesitate because they don't think they're spiritual enough, mm-hmm. they're holy enough, they're sanctified enough, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Yeah. And the reality is, is we're all the same, we're all sinners. Right. Every one of us. Right. Until we face that mm-hmm. and we repent of the sin that we have right. and be willing to, to get a fire in our yeah. belly for witnessing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just never will do it. You know, it's, it becomes, and you know, like I, I, you know, I'm looking at the mirror when I'm talking to you now myself. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the people that live around me know that I'm a Christian. Sure, they see me get up mm-hmm. and get in my car on Sundays and put my suit on yeah. and tie, yeah. and I go somewhere. But have I even talked to them about Christ? Yeah. Do they even know uh, how to be saved? And, right. You know, and so that's the burden I think that. Mm-hmm. Christians need to have. And right. so often I think we defeat ourselves. Mm-hmm. That we, we think that we're not worthy enough, right. skilled enough. We, right. don't, we don't have the right words to say. Whatever, mm-hmm. you know. 
And that reminds me of a very prominent figure in the Old Testament. <laughs> Moses, right? But what was God's whole thing? Moses, my power is with you. <laughs> and that message is still right here. I mean, when we talk about the fears that we have because of all of our unworthiness, our lack of abilities and things like that, that's all focusing on me. But that's why Jesus said, hey, wait in Jerusalem and all of a sudden the promise of the Father will come to you, the Holy Spirit. That's the whole reason they had to wait for the Holy Spirit before they went out and tried to do stuff. Because the Spirit of God had to be upon them if they were going to do anything worthwhile. And it's, so it's right for us to be a little timid if we're going out in our own flesh, right? If we're focused on what I think I can and can't do, Wayne, were you going to say something? Well, it was the same way in the days of Noah. I mean, the people was too engrossed on other things. And, and, and you look at this country nowadays, mm-hmm. you know, they don't, they don't think anything about going to church or being a believer or anything. Right. Just, it, that's the way it was in the days of Noah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, people don't really change. I mean, the times change and technology changes. and But people at the core of humanity, we don't really change a whole lot. Our learning and our understanding and cultural things change. you know. But the idolatry of our hearts, the, the lack of desire to submit ourselves to a God, I mean, that doesn't really change. That's always been a problem with humanity. I mean, that's what the devil plant. That's the seed of the devil that's been planted in us from the very beginning. Self-sufficiency, self-righteousness, all those things. And that's really where a lot of what you're talking about comes from. The self, how can I do this? Or how can I not do this? Because of how I see myself. What we need to see in the spiritual gifts is that these are gifts from the Spirit. They're not you, they're Him. They're God, and if you're if you want to talk in a technological age, God installing Himself into you, <laughs> giving you all the programming that you need from Him to go and do His work. You have His programming through the Holy Spirit. I mean, First Corinthians kind of talks about that a little bit. We can only understand the spiritual things because of the Spirit that's within us, who Himself is God. Therefore, because nobody knows the mind of God except for God, so the Spirit is God, and He's given to us so that we can know the mind of God. You know, that's God in- installing His hardware into you and me so that we can do things that humans can't do, so that we can know things that humans can't know, so that we can see things that humans can't see. I mean, that is... The work of the Holy Spirit. That's not the works of reading dozens and dozens of books and going to church for decades and decades and decades. No, that is the Spirit. No man is going to help you see what only God through His Spirit can help you see. No man is going to help you accomplish something that only God in His Spirit can help you accomplish. He has to download into you in order for you to be able to do what he wants you to do. That's why they're called spiritual gifts. That's why the fruits of the Spirit are called fruits of the Spirit, because they're from God. And if we're trying to emulate something that looks spiritual in somebody else, only we're trying to emulate it in the flesh... We may do the exact same thing the other person did, but we are not going to have eternity behind us. We are not going to have the power of infinity flowing through us. 
And it's not going to produce um, eternal righteousness, eternal fruitfulness. It may produce something temporal, some temporal change in somebody's life, but it's not going to produce the eternal fruitfulness that only God through His Spirit can produce. That's why we need to understand what these spiritual gifts are. They are God downloading something into each one of us so that we can go out and do what He has commissioned us to do, to magnify Christ according to whatever way He wants us to magnify Christ in. We're not all supposed to be preachers. We're not all supposed to be evangelists. Though some of that should be there in all of us, we should be willing to proclaim. Just like one of the gifts of the Spirit is serving, well, we should all be serving. One of the gifts of the Spirit is faith. Well, we should all have faith. But sometimes, in some people, when they have the particular vibrant gift of the Spirit, it just it's something that they work more vibrantly than others in. Hospitality, we're all, supposed to have, we're all supposed to be hospitable, but some people are far more fruitful in it than other people. I think of Paul, when Paul says that I planted Paul's water, mm-hmm. but God gave the increase. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, <clears throat> we feel like we need to go out and we need to win that soul of Christ, but it may not be. Mm-hmm. You may be just planting a seed by giving them a gospel tract. Right. And... It's hard sometimes to, you try your best, but then you know that the Holy Spirit is, does not want that at this time. Mm-hmm. And, you, and, you, and you talk to them, and you tell them, and you give them your testimony, and that's all you can do, and you let them go. Mm-hmm. You know, someone else will pick them up, and as yeah. Holy Spirit leads, uh, you know, and yeah. take them to maybe water them a little bit. Right. Or, you know, maybe they come to church once, they hear the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, when we get to heaven, maybe we'll be able to see it. Yeah. As it all comes together, right. know, it's, um, it's a piecemeal thing. Right. You know, it's not that every right. time you're no. going to go out, you're going to win someone. Right. You know, like, you know, you think about the gift of the administrator. The administrator isn't usually the one out there preaching or evangelizing or anything like that, but they are laying groundwork for those who do have the gifts of preaching and evangelizing to have something to operate on. Right. You know, so they are still serving the magnification of Jesus Christ, even though their primary function may not be to be out in front of people preaching and proclaiming. But they are providing a way for other people to do that. Um, so like you said, like it's, it all has to come together. We are all supposed to be working together as one machine. All of our parts working together so that the whole body of Christ might be moving throughout the world to the uttermost parts of the earth. Um, but the thing I want us to understand from the very beginning here when we talk about spiritual gifts is their purpose. They are for the final intent that Jesus Christ might be magnified. The intent is not that an, a local church might be magnified or that a person might be magnified or that we'll just make, it, make this world a better place. No, it is so that Jesus might be magnified because we serve him and his kingdom. Any questions about that? Or anything, I mean, that's the last question. If, there, if there's anything else you'd like to bring up or ask. <coughs> you know, Linda and I um, um, were in the right place at the right time for something. We were working on her uh, family reunion, and, and then something came to us that one of her neighbors was really in trouble. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there was some food left over and we gave the food but we're really praying now that they will let the spirit of God 
Annie. Yeah. And um, maybe they'll let you talk to them. We're hoping that they will. That's yeah. what we're praying for. Them. Right. Use the pillow. Linda, Linda, Linda yeah. I am right. praying that they will let you talk to them. Okay. Yeah. I would be so happy to do that. And that, when you were talking, this came into my mind. I don't know if it was something you said, but the disciples said in Acts 1, verse 6, Lord, will you come and restore the kingdom? Jesus says, no, you are going to go and do the work. <laughs> Sometimes we think that we can just sit back and ask God that he'll go and do something. But we are given the job of going out and doing that something. <laughs> So the disciple, go ahead. Don't finish. I was just, just going to restate the same thing in a different way. Oh. Go ahead. Now I was just thinking while you were talking, it's like what Paul, it's what is coming to mind is Paul and how he, the wonderful ministry that mm-hmm. he had, um, and so per- and he realized his purpose, and he says, "I glory in my weakness, mm-hmm. that the grace of God could show forth, mm-hmm. that that." Through his weakness, that it's not him; mm-hmm. it's God showing forth His power, right. working through him. Working, and yes. I, I maybe you got that reference, but it's yeah. not referring in my brain right now. Right. That, but yeah. That he glories in right. his weakness. I am right. nothing, but right. it's God that's working. Exactly, him. and that's why, like what you said, was good because you went and talked to them. You went and reached out to them, and then afterwards, you prayed, "Lord, open their eyes." And provide a way for them to get more of this, <laughs> you know. So it's yeah, it was something we were not expecting at all. It just <laughs> mm-hmm. boom, right? Right. Yeah. So it's our job to not just sit back and just wait for God to do something. Just pray, you know, we can sometimes get a, you know get a zing because I just had this really good time in my devotions, praying for God's kingdom and that He'll do something. But then our whole life, we're just kind of sitting back doing our own thing. <laughs> Uh, we are given the commission to go out and do the things that we know need to be done. We need to go out and do preach the message we know we need to be preached, or however our spiritual gift is supposed to play into that. We're to go out and do it. That's our commission. Not to just sit back and hope that God does something. Now, we do need to hope that God does something. We do need to pray that God does something. We do need to pray that God opens the eyes of the world because unless he opens the eyes, they'll never see. But not without recognizing our commission to be the ones going out and doing these things. Does that make sense? And, and Well, it's the total grace of God in working within us, mm-hmm. the Spirit working within us, because of ourselves, we wouldn't be doing any of this. Right. So to give any, you know, any work of God, it has to be given back to Him and right. His grace working through us as right. the Spirit, because man left to himself gives no credit to God. Right. And we do have to keep guard. And with all of it, it to mm-hmm. His glory. Which is probably enough. To ourselves, yeah. to our own will. Right. Which is probably part of the reason he said, wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So that it's the Holy Spirit that gets, so it's God that gives the glory. Otherwise, it's just you and the flesh. Everything we, when we do work, 
when we do go out and do these things, we have to remember that we're doing this because God has given me the job and the ability to do it. So if I do accomplish something for Christ's kingdom, it's to his glory, because without him I am nothing. I wouldn't even be doing this if it weren't him who had rescued me and made me his own. Anything else? Well, good good conversation. Thank you guys for all your input. It was um, very, very beneficial, I think, to all of us.